Well, as she's cleaning up, I'll just let you know that in a little bit, I have some tables of treats for us. So we actually do get to eat. It has something to do with my study. And so when we break up into, I don't know, maybe we'll break up into two or three groups, um, we can have some, some goodies and it has to do with my study today. It's my little proverb and Pinteresty uh, type of additive, since I didn't do anything crafty for you guys. And someone here actually made this. I bought it from her at that wonderful Christmas boutique that we had. So my earrings and this she made, which is fabulous, and this bracelet, actually, I made at Proverbs and Pinterest at my house. I didn't lead it or anything. <laughs> I just hosted the home, and uh, it was just fabulous. So that's my Pinteresty part. <laughs> well, happy Monday. Let's... Um, Let's pray. Yeah, I'm so glad you're all here. This is going to be so much fun. And I just want to shout out to the, the team there and my husband. Apparently, the computer for my presentation did not align. And my husband downloaded, yes, thank you, um, so that I could do this. So thank you so much, all of you. Yes, because I think it, it really helps. It'll really help me out. Okay, so we'll pray. Dear Father God, thank you. Thank you for this time set aside for us to learn and grow. Thank you for each and every person here today wanting to hear you and striving to know our individual purpose. I pray you will speak through me and touch every woman here personally with what you want them to be encouraged with. And we just thank you again for this time. Amen. All right. So my name is Rochelle Nyenheis. I have attended Calvary Chapel Vista here for 17 years. And I grew up an army brat. My dad's a retired army colonel, uh, army chaplain, um, which included three tours in Europe. So total of 11 years uh, in Europe. So I basically grew up there. I went to 13 different schools because my dad's chaplaincy becomes before his rank. So K through 12, I went to 13 schools. Add that up. That's tough. Yes. Um, maybe that's the reason I'm a teacher. Who knows? <laughs> I came to San Diego to go to college, and I graduated with a teaching degree um, here from California State University, San Marcos. And here's Desiree. She was one of my students. Yay! And thank you, Desiree, for helping set up our table over there for the ladies. She's awesome. And I met my husband, my wonderful husband, Eric, and we've been married 26 years this uh, July. So very blessed. Love you. We've raised four children, Chloe, Colin, Karsten, and Chalen. And believe it or not, later on in life, God gave us Devin. Is there a picture? Oh, the really handsome big black son is our son. And uh, he's really fun to watch basketball. So pretty amazing. You think you're done having children, and God gives you more. It's amazing. Um, I'm currently teaching science at the Coastal Academy uh, right now in Oceanside. And so that is what I do full-time now. I'm going to move my notes down along. I'm really honored to speak uh, to you tonight about finding your purpose and waiting on God's timing. And this is really my first time to get to, to do this. So, you know, when you speak to a group of people, and usually my audience, to be honest with you, is kids and students or my staff, um, you always have to decide what to wear. I'm just going to tell you now, spiritual warfare is real. It's real. It has to do with what speakers are going to wear. So I have a go-to dress 
and I like to wear it when I teach. But the problem is I'm five foot ten, and I wasn't quite sure tonight if I was going to be on the stage, and if I wear heels, then it poses a threat, like if you're going up the stairs, you don't want to be able to see up it. And so um, so that was stressful, so I'm like, no, I can't wear that. So then I thought, oh, I'll wear my, my go-to pencil skirt. You know, it's tight, so nobody can look up it. And the problem, though, is that you have to wear that with a girdle. And this is my girdle. With the pencil skirt, you can't wear a pencil skirt without one, don't do it. And this one has a hole in it. And yeah, it's got a hole. Oh, there it is. There's a hole. Now, I don't know if you guys know what it's like to have a a girdle with a hole in it. You have a tumor effect. (laughs) Yeah. So you wear it and then it like sticks out. So you can't do that. I'm like, I can't wear a pencil skirt. And I'm not alone. Okay. I found this, one of my favorite Christian comedians. So I'm not alone. She's hilarious. I love Shonda Pierce. So I'm not alone. So spiritual warfare is real. I try to figure out what to wear. I have a white top I like, but then you have to have clean undergarments that are white. Scratch that. I thought, well, maybe there's younger women in my group. Look, there's Desiree. Maybe I can try to relate to them. I just can't relate to them. I can't wear skinny jeans. Our trip to Canada took care of that. So none of that scratch. So lady, this is what I came up with to wear tonight. If you don't like it, talk to Satan. Um, (laughs) It's real. Please don't email me. Uh, as a pastor's daughter, I know what it's like to get uh, uh, emails and live in that, uh, that glass um, house. So uh, please don't email me. Uh, am I okay? <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into it, shall we? This is Pinterest and Proverbs. So I wanted to incorporate this great book from the Bible. So just first, a little refresher. What is a proverb? So a proverb is a short saying that is full of good advice. A modern proverb, which you may know, is look before you leap, okay? So the book of Proverbs is a collection of these short sayings that give us good advice about how to live our lives. The Proverbs in the book of the Bible covers a wide range of subjects, laziness, money, parents, friends, prides, who to give your heart to, and yes, you guessed it, your future, your future, and waiting on his purpose for all of you. So most of these Proverbs were written by King Solomon, and King Solomon actually spoke 3,000 uh, Proverbs and 1,005 songs. So, um, but actually, in the Bible, there's only 800 of those 3,000 Proverbs in that actual book. So he wrote a whole bunch of them. Um, but where did King Solomon get all that wisdom? God, of course. So hopefully after tonight, we'll have a little more clarity on finding God's purpose for us and waiting on God's timing. A familiar proverb is Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. It states, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. 
Do not be wise in your own eyes. Tonight, if you don't know the Lord, you're supposed to know him. So for those of you that are Christian, it's time for us to make sure we hear him clearly. We all have a different relationship with God in a different way, and we all hear him differently, and that's okay. That's okay. What is important is that we know when he is talking and leading us. We need to have clarity that we aren't hearing ourselves or to the wrong outside sources. So listening to ourselves or being wise in our own eyes sets us on all sorts of paths, doesn't it, lady? We, ladies, we don't want to go on the wrong path. So we need to trust the Lord uh, fully. Um, the Lord and his all-knowing wisdom, accept his guidance, believe in his leading, and follow his path for us. But how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we implement Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 in our lives? So we've probably all heard in sermons our purpose is ultimately to be more Christ-like, to worship him, to serve him. But how, how do we do this? How do we do this? You've all probably heard we are a vessel, to be God's vessel. I've heard that term. A lot, and I really like that. Our purpose is to be used by God for his glory. But how do we do this? So do you know yourself? Do you know yourself? You know, women today, we have a lot of roles, don't we? There's motherhood, um, to be a wife, a girlfriend, student, a daughter, sister, a good friend. Now there's the whole social media thing. You know, you got to make sure you like your friends. They're not going to like you on Facebook or whatever. It's hard. And for those of us that are older, I was like, what is that? I don't have Instagram and things like that. And so do you know yourself? Are you a doubter, skeptic, gullible, a realistic? Are you melancholy, an optimist, depressing? Are you fearful, have phobias? Are you insecure, overconfident? Are you shy? Or maybe you have a sanguine personality like Jeanette tonight. She's outgoing. Uh, Do you um, like quiet? That's me. I, I like quietness. Do you like to be with lots of people? Are you flexible? Are you opinionated? Are you a reader. I'm a reader. Moviegoer, animal lover. Do you like to exercise? Do you like to cook? What makes you tick, ladies? How do you relax? What is fun to you? What's fun to some women isn't fun to me. I don't like Disneyland. I know it's a shocker. That's stressful for me. I I don't enjoy it. I like quiet. I'm good. When my husband and I, we go on vacation, we go where there's no one. (laughs) We go there where there's no people. And people always say that. We look at your, your pictures on vacation and there's no one there. It's like, that's what I like. I'm around people all the time. So for me, I... For me to decompress, I've learned that, you know, I like that alone. I like that quiet. Um, so that's my personality. What is yours? And how do you best worship God? And that is key. Um, when do you feel closest to him? Is it through music, prayer, teaching, nature, dancing, serving, reading the Bible, or journaling? For me, it's had to change over the years. I truly, my favorite way to worship the Lord, and I feel close and most connected to him, is when I am journaling and um, when I'm singing, but I've had some obstacles with that. With my journaling, I was always a big journaler. And of course, when I was in college or when I was younger, I had hours of any time. But then when I had little children, I couldn't journal anymore. And I was still a college student. So I found myself in the car a lot, and I was still a student. And I remember asking a professor, um, I had to ask permission back then, to take my baby with me to college here at Cal State San Marcos. And I'll never forget, I had a professor who said, "Uh, Rochelle, I'm not going to tell you you can't be in my class because you won't finish. Well, 
you wouldn't be motivated. <laughs> Tell me that I won't finish your class. Not only did I finish his class, I took another one of his classes just on purpose. And uh, so after I had Chloe, I'm not kidding, seven days later, I was back in school with my stroller, but I lived in La Mesa. So I had to drive to Cal State San Marcos, 45-minute drive. So I would nurse my daughter on my right so that when I got there and got out of my the stroller and finally got to the class, I could nurse her on the left so I could take notes with my right hand. Not kidding. I was super motivated. And and um, I love school. I was a good student, um, but I had to pay for all my schooling on myself. You know, I was a waitress and paid for it all on myself. And so, um, so I was really, really, you know, motivated um, with, with school. But then all of a sudden I had this, this baby, and I just didn't have time. When she was finally asleep, I, you know, I would have to do my school. So I couldn't journal. But I was in the car a lot, and so Caleb was pretty new. It was a new music station. That became a lifeline for me. I could sing in the car. Well, then... Um, later on down the line, after I'd had four children, um, long story, when I was in high school, I had tumors and um, had those removed, and, um, and I thought maybe that challenge in my life was over, and it wasn't. So I was diagnosed with cancer when I was um, in uh, at Calvary uh, Vista when I was teaching, and actually, Desiree, you were, you were there at that time. And so um, it turned out that I had tumors, a whole bunch of them, in my throat, and the cancer had spread, and so I had to have um, surgery a couple of times. To, um, to remove the tumors in my throat and all kinds of procedures where they're testing the tumors, um, had to have radiation and all kinds of procedures. And by doing that, it ruined my voice. Um, so it's very sad to me. I can't sing like I used to. In fact, I couldn't talk for a while or sing, and now I can. Um, but it was painful. It's still painful for me to sing, um, and it's been years. Um, but, um, but it's sad to me. And so um, sometimes I'm in church. I just love to sing, but I can't really sing. My voice cracks. It's horrible. I have a horrible voice now. It's scratchy, and, um, and it's low, and it's deep. And sometimes I think, oh, these people you know, around me, oh, no. But then I just think, oh, I'm praising the Lord. So, um, so I love to sing. I love to to journal, and now actually my life is changing, and I am able to journal more. And so that might change for you, ladies, um, how you commune with the Lord. The other thing that I used to do because I was in the car a lot with all my kids going to all they were all athletic is I prayed for people all the time on the freeway, and I loved it. I thought these people don't have any idea, and their lives are going to be changed. I'm praying for your salvation every time I saw a sticker, you know, with a fish on it, with the with the legs. For evolution, I'm a science teacher. You know, I was praying for them. I would pray for them like non-ceasing. And then it would be crazy. I would see the same person in that car again. I thought, I'm supposed to pray for you again. We have the same schedule. (laughs) You know, it was crazy, crazy stuff like that. So I learned how to commune with God in different ways. And that was a real stretch for me because I had my way. I like to sing. I like to journal. I like quiet. And now my life was chaotic. And I had all these sons. And it was, you know, I was not balanced. (laughs) And it was chaotic. Um... So there are so many ways that we can be, and there are so many ways to connect with God. How do you? How do you connect with God? How are you close to him? So first, according to the scripture, we need to find God's purpose in your life um, by committing your life to Christ, except you are a Christian. I'm assuming most of you are, but if you're not tonight, if you haven't acknowledged him, um, many of you have already done this, and you've accepted Christ in your life. But if you haven't tonight, it's the night, so come talk to me um, after I'm done, and we'll make sure um, that you've accepted Christ in your life. You have an appointment tonight. But secondly, some people might actually disagree with me on this, but you need to not lean on your own understanding. You need to have trust and faith that God will meet your immediate physical needs. Yes, I know it seems crazy. I am talking about basic needs of nourishment, rest, 
and finances, but also peace in your life. There are some exhausted young mamas out there, and I used to take blankets and put them on my windows to make it dark, you know, and put a fan in the kids' bedrooms when they were little, and they all took a one or two hour nap in the afternoon just so I could function. I was so tired. In John 21, 1 through 14, Jesus gave the disciples powers to catch an abundance of fish after they hadn't caught any. He told them to put their nets on the right side of their boat, and they did. And they obeyed, and they trusted him, and they were abundantly blessed. Then he was on the shore of Galilee, and he cooked the fish for the disciples. And in verse 12, he invites the disciples to, quote, he actually says, come and have breakfast, unquote. So he tells them to throw their nets after three days, several days of trying to catch fish and nothing. And this is important. This is their livelihood. This is their job, okay? And, um, and they needed to trust him. And so he tells them, Put your net to the right side. They put it to the right side. They listen. They obey. He, they're abundantly blessed. And then he feeds them. He feeds them. And, um, and that's a, a physical uh, need. So ladies, what net is God telling you? Where is he telling you to put your net? Where's your net supposed to go? In Mark 4... 3540, Jesus rested on a boat in the middle of a storm after a busy day of teaching and healing people. I love this story because the disciples were frantic with Jesus. They're frantic with God, saying, don't you care, God? How can you sleep in this storm, God? And they actually say in the Bible, quote, teacher, don't you care if we drown? It just reminds me of like my teenagers, you know, mom, don't you care? Yeah, I care about us being late. I'm trying. I'm trying to get to all of all your practices, you know? It just sounds like they're whining and they're annoying. And he's, you know, they're whining to to God, the Son of God. It's just mind-blowing to me. And so Jesus almost seems to me to be annoyed with them. He is telling the storms to quiet down so he can rest. He literally says, quote, quiet, be still. Three words, quiet, be still. And just like that, the wind obeyed. The wind obeyed. Unbelievable. And then he went back to rest. Jesus went back to sleep. (laughs) He did. So he cares about your needs. Um, He cares about all of our needs. The story is only one of many where Jesus meets basic needs of provision, hunger, and rest, which will help bring security and peace. So take note. Pray and ask God how to help you, your family, meet basic needs, financial needs, and rest. This is part of being effective in God's purpose for you. But this does not mean, so this is really important, it does not mean if you're tired, which a lot of us are, poor and hungry that you cannot serve God's ideal purpose through your life. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying and relaying is the example Jesus set multiple times and throughout the Bible um, when we see stories of Jesus, particularly when he's meeting needs of big groups of people with his disciples, um, he knew for his disciples to minister at their best and to be so effective to many, they needed food, they needed security, and they needed rest. And you see this all the time. They go to other people's homes for rest. Um, he's, he's done this several times where he's making them meals or they're having meals. There, there's a lot of food there um, in the Bible. And we're going to have some fellowship as well. And number three, according to the scripture, do not be wise in your own eyes. This is tricky, isn't it? Do not be wise in your own eyes. As Christians, we know we are to seek him, seek righteousness, to be more Christ-like, to worship him and to know him so he can fulfill his purpose through us. How do we do this? How do we do this? 
Oh, yeah. I love that picture. That's how I feel like at the end of the school year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where I got that picture from. I send it to all my friends, teacher friends. At the end of the school year, I do. How do we do this? In your pursuit to trust God and fulfill his purpose in your life, you need to figure out who he created in you. We're all different. Who did he create in you? You want to hear God, not yourself. You want his wisdom, not your wisdom. And you want his eyes, not your eyes. So who are you? You're different than me. We as Christians have the same goal to be more Christ-like, to worship him, to serve him. But God has even a more specific, different purpose for your life as an individual that he created from other individuals. And that's okay. That's okay. What are your tendencies? What is your natural personality? What do you like to do with your God? Ladies, you have to figure out who you are, who you are in Christ, who he created. How do you sin? What tempts you? What do you love? What do you despise? Chocolate. It's definitely a downfall for for me, and there's some chocolate over there. What in your background has shaped healthy or unhealthy habits? We all have them. Are you fearful, easily led, phobic? Um, I'm a little phobic. I do. I have a little bit of problem with speed. And so, um, which is pretty funny since I grew up in Europe with, and there's no speed limit, you know, Audubon, maybe that's where I get it from. So I'm a little bit phobic and uh, it drives people crazy because I'm always like, you know, doing this. So I have to work on it. I I literally, I've found little things for myself to do. So when I'm in a car, I look to the side, you know, or I'm on my phone. I don't mean to be antisocial, but I'm literally fearful and it's something I have to work on. Um, Are you argumentative? argumentative. These same traits could also be interpreted as positive by fearful being interpreted as being cautious or easily led, being interpreted as flexible or phobic, being interpreted as narrow or precise, or argumentative as accurate. Some things in our personalities we need to curb, work on, pray through. Other traits we should expand on because they're good. They're okay. Ephesians 2.10 states, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. He created us. He created each one of you. Each one of you is his workmanship. What is important is to know what is dysfunctional. (laughs) Do any of us have anything dysfunctional in our life? I do. (laughs) I like to think I don't, but I do. I know I do. And hindering God's purpose in your life. Be honest. You need to give it to the Lord. You can change, but some things you shouldn't change. Recognize your gifts from God. Do you know yourself, and do you know whom God created in you? I love this movie and The Runaway Bride. Julia Roberts is engaged several times. How many of you have seen that movie? Have you seen? Okay, everyone. All right. (laughs) In The Runaway Bride, Julia Roberts is engaged several times, right? And she runs away from her groom several times, Uh, all different grooms. She thinks she knows what she wants. She thinks she knows what she wants, but there's this reporter that's played by Richard Gere, and he's figured out a pattern that she becomes whatever her fiancé wants her to become, okay? Or she believes it's what he wants, and she becomes what he wants. She doesn't even know what her favorite eggs are because her favorite eggs are whatever her fiancé of the year's favorite eggs are. So. What kind of eggs you like? Yes. Yes. Yes, that's right. With a priest, you wanted scrambled. With with a deadhead, it was fried. With the other guy, the bug guy, it was it was poached. Now it's like oh, uh, egg whites only. Thank you very much. Man is 
called changing your mind. No, that's called not having a mind of your own. Maggie, what are you doing? What kind of eggs you like? So, lady, ladies, how do you like your eggs? Ladies, how do you like them? Once you acknowledge him, accept Christ into your life, and you pursue trusting God, which includes talking to him and giving him time, he will teach you about yourself. And you can decide what kind of eggs you like. At this point, you and God, the two of you, can decide what traits and what tendencies you should keep and which ones you should let go and which ones you could work on. In Proverbs 16, 1 through 4, it states, The plans of the heart belong to the man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its own purpose. I've always known as a Christian growing up that our purpose has always been the Great Commission. How many of you have heard of the Great Commission? Have you heard of the Great Commission? Yeah. To serve God, seek Him, to be Christ-like, to teach others, to spread the good news, and to worship Him. And I had planned on being a missionary to East Germany. I lived in Bronson in the Netherlands, and I had lived in Mannheim in Germany, and I'd grown up around missionaries that had smuggled Bibles to East Germany. Um, I don't know if any of you ever heard of a man called Tiny. Did anyone ever hear of him? Famous missionary, a friend of our family's, and he'd actually um, passed away. And I was really blessed um, also um, to be friends, our family, with Corrie Tin Boom. I don't know if any of you have heard of her, but she was also an a incredible woman who had been in Dachau, and she had been in concentration camps. Um, and so real privilege uh, when we lived in Holland. We actually would eat lunch with her at our house. And Brother Andrew, I don't know if anyone heard of Brother Andrew? Um, he smuggled Bibles. Um, I have a pretty funny story about him racing through the house with me because I thought his bedroom, which was my bedroom, was the bathroom. <laughs> so anyway, so I was blessed to grow up around missionaries um, who were um, doing great works, and so that's what I wanted to be. To me, there was nothing greater that you could be than to be a missionary. That's what I wanted to be. And so I'd grown up around them, and particularly smuggling Bibles into East Germany. So that was my goal. Um, that's what I had longed to do. So my parents, at the time when I was in college, was living in Bremerhaven, which is northern Germany, when I was in college. And I had literally just passed my German language requirement in college when the wall came down in Berlin, separating the East from the West. Very exciting time. My parents flew me out, literally, so I could be there when people crossed over the Brandenburg gate. They felt like I had grown up there and um, I needed to be there when the wall came down permanently. So it was historic and it was a part of our family and it was a part of our heritage. Um, And it was an incredible, incredible night. I got to be there. And I was also there when um, President Reagan, um, he spoke um, and spoke to in the, he spoke in the West so that the people in the East could hear him. Um, it was deliberate. Um, so a lot of history there. So it was important for my family um, for me to be there. And, um, but in the midst of the celebration, um, my life's changed. My life completely changed. I no longer needed to be a secret missionary crossing that border because the wall came down. Just like that, my purpose, I felt so strongly, and I had been studying and working towards and training towards, um, God clearly called me. Um, that I felt God had clearly called me to changed. It was, you know, suddenly I was like, well, what am I going to do with my life? So shortly thereafter, Eric proposed to me in Heidelberg, uh, Germany, on Philosopher's Way, and I felt God was leading me to get a teaching degree. 
So we decided to live in California. So shortly after I was married, we conceived Chloe. 15 months after she was born, I gave birth to Colin. I kept going to school and finally graduated when Colin was still a baby. But um, but God called me to stay home and to teach my children, which was kind of crazy because I was really against it. And I was super against homeschooling, (laughs) which is really funny. And I wound up homeschooling Chloe, Colin, Karsten, and Chalen from K to 8th grade. Um, Yeah, a long, long time. And so... um, Um, And I substituted, actually, over a nine-year period. Um, I have been only in the classroom, honestly, teaching full-time now science for the last six years, and and I love it. Um, God has moved my life uh, that way because my children are grown, and um, so I'm in a different time of life. I learned through this proverb, Proverbs 16, that God has a plan. He has a purpose, but he doesn't always let you know in it. Right, right away. So sometimes I know you're down here and you're going, you God, could you let me in a little bit and let me know? I felt like I was always the you hooer. I need to know, Lord, you keep changing things. You know, I think I'm done having kids and you give me more. And then I know we're done, snip, snip, and I get Devin. So, you know, haha, just when you think you're done, he, he, he has different plans for you. Um, so God, um, sometimes God's purpose for you changes. Um, there were many days I didn't want to homeschool my children, frankly, but God had clearly told me this is what I was supposed to do. There was no denying it. But you see, when I started homeschooling, I didn't know I would have a son who was severely dyslexic. His name is Colin. I don't know if any of you know him. Um, he's a gifted, gifted athlete. He played uh, baseball all the way through college. They went to the College World Series his senior year. Um, really exciting. Um, but, and I didn't have discipline issues with him, but he could not read. He could not read until fifth grade. And if I had not been homeschooling him, I think he would, ha- he would be a different person. I really do think he'd be a different person. And so God called me to it, and I didn't know why. And it's only after now, looking back, um, that I realized that I obeyed him, and I'm so glad that I did. Um, but he couldn't read until fifth grade. School was always a challenge. In fact, um, he's now a college graduate with a business degree, and he's only received one A his entire college career. Um, but he's married. He works for a lighting company, and I'm so, so proud of him. And I really do believe that my obedience to, to teach him has played a large role in his success today. And I'm proud of all my children. I know I just focused on Colin. Chloe's graduated from UCLA. She's trying to get into nursing school. And then the three other boys are all in college. And two are kind of on a longer route, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> but they're still in school. Thank you, Jesus. God knew I needed to homeschool all of them for different reasons. Reasons, but God also called my children to all go to public high school. Yes, all of them. They all went to public high school. Crazy. I thought, Lord, what are you doing? You know, I just spent all this time and now I'm going to get no credit. They're going to go to public high school and they're going to get ruined, you know, just going to be ruined. But that's what God wanted for them. And now when it was all said and done, I go, wow, Lord, you wanted them. And they still all got to go to the same school. So some desires of my heart really did happen. Um, So God has a purpose. He has a reason, but he doesn't always let you in on it right then. I learned I needed to pray about everything, from decisions, from what sport teams they should be involved with, to my role in their activities. My purpose changed, and I knew God kept changing it. One thing that I had to do a lot of was wait. How many of you don't like waiting? I don't like waiting. It's a huge part of my life. <laughs> waiting is a part of our daily lives, isn't it? Now, particularly if any of you have had any kind of diagnosis, it's a lot of waiting, and that's been a part of my life. Um, at different times in my life. Um, We wait in waiting rooms and lines, 
to hear a diagnosis, for someone to call you back, to be healed, Christmas morning, so there's good waiting seasons, for college acceptance, to be pregnant, to adopt, to give birth, a job offer possibly, or a raise, to find a boyfriend, be engaged, get married. We wait for milestones, don't we? Like graduations and awards. And maybe a long-awaited trip, you know, a bucket list. Some of us wait for our children to clean the rooms. I'm still waiting. Still waiting. I went to all of my children's rooms today. Every single one of them was a mess. Is this being recorded? So I think my daughter's watching. I do. I think they're watching. (laughs) I love you all. Clean your rooms. We also, (laughs) please, it's like all I want for Mother's Day. (laughs) And for them to all go to church. Um, We also wait for answers from the Lord. We wait for his guidance and we wait for his leading. In fact, in the Bible, the word wait is written approximately 106 times. The word just waited 35 times and the word waiteth 11 times and the word waiting eight times. That's approximately 160 times. That's a lot of Bible time dedicated to waiting. So I think we should heed this advice. Isaiah 40, 31 states, yet... Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Psalms 27, 14 also encourages us to wait on the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Often when we are waiting for answered prayer, we're in deep need, aren't we? We're in deep need of help right? So we pray to the Lord because we need help. We have a question that needs to be answered. We hope for healing of an individual or guidance on how to move forward in a situation. Um, We have a, a lot of situations in our lives that you just think aren't going to happen. How can I possibly be dealing with this? How can I possibly be dealing with the stumbling block right now? God, I need your help. And sometimes there is silence. We all try to make sense of difficult situations and hoping for answers, but still, sometimes there is just silence. To me, honestly, sometimes that's harder than a no, is, um, is the waiting in that silence. There's a book titled Waiting, Fighting Hope, Finding Hope When God Seems Silent by Ben Patterson. Great book. He has a wise understanding, I believe, on godly waiting. He writes, quote, to wait with grace requires two cardinal virtues, humility and hope. Only the humble can wait with grace, for only the humble know they have no demands they can lay on God and his world. Such a great quote. And Oswald Chambers, also a great writer, great communicator, writes about God's silence. Quote, his silence is a sign that he is bringing you into a marvelous understanding of himself. What a great way to think about silence. His silence is a sign that he's bringing you into a marvelous understanding of himself. You will find that God has trusted you in the most intimate way possible with absolute silence. Praise him. He's bringing you into the great run of his purposes. I don't always look at silence that way. And then Ronald Dunn, I'm a a reader, (laughs) writes in his book, When Heaven is Silent, quote, if a logical explanation can be found, we can prevent a repetition of the tragedy. It need not happen again, especially to us. That means we need to learn. And Jan Frank writes in A Graceful Waiting. This is actually a book that was given to me by Debbie Bryson. She's like, I don't know if this book will help you. It was a great easy read, so you can look it up. Jan Frank, A Graceful Waiting. I thought it was a great book. Just real quick, a short book. Um, And uh, she wrote, Normal questions, when directed at God, form a sincere heart. They can actually stimulate 
our faith. We may, as a result of our questions, be prompted to see God with fervor that was previously absent. I thought, wow, that's a great way to look at waiting as well. So ladies, when we take our questions to God, we're actually asking to know him better. We're asking to know him better. We're asking to know his plan and his purpose for us better. So many biblical characters had to wait, didn't they? Think about Moses. He waited to deliver, right, the nation of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. What about Ruth? She waited through unspeakable tragedy, right? She lost her husband. They're in a famine. She lost her family. She endured travel. I mean, she had an amazing mother-in-law, but I bet some of you wouldn't want to go travel with your mother-in-law in the middle of a famine in a desert. Just saying. Um, and then she eventually, just saying, and then she eventually married Boaz, right? And she had to present herself to him. You know, she was, in a sense, a glorified beggar, right? Um, getting the, the cast of, off of his wheat. Um, and so, uh, who else had to wait? Anyway, she had to wait for stability and happiness. Hannah. Hannah, we all know about Hannah. She had to wait for a son that she so longed for. And then she had to give him back to the Lord to be an apprentice for, for clergy. And then Joseph, horrible, right? He was sold into slavery by his brothers and later thrown into jail because he refused the advances of his master's wife. Wouldn't it have been just easier just to have made her happy? And uh, But he was such a good man. And yet he was punished for being forthright. Um, he didn't want to go against his, his master. And, uh, and then he had to wait. He had to wait to see his father, who he loved so much. But he ultimately, because he obeyed, he saved his family from famine um, through his societal stature. And then Noah was called crazy, right? He had to wait for rain to save his family in an ark. There's just so many stories. Um, but there's stories in the Bible where people didn't wait, huh? Yeah, there's stories that where people didn't wait. So, um, Two stories of impatient women um, in the Bible have literally impacted on humankind ever since their decisions of not waiting on the Lord. The writer to Romans, I think, sums it up in Romans 15.4 perfectly. Quote, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. So let's just talk really quickly about Sarai and Abram. Right? She didn't wait patiently for a promise of a son. Well, maybe some of you think she did because, you know, she's pretty old. She married off her maidservant, okay, to him, and he was 86 at the time. So, which means Hagar had relations with them. She slept with them and they conceived. And when Hagar was pregnant, her relationship changed with Sarai. Okay, normally a maidservant, they're really close to you, okay? And you have a good relationship. You want a good relationship. She's kind of your confidant. Um, but now Sarai despised her because here her maidservant had the son that she could not conceive. And you know what? Sarai was wrong. She mistreated her. And there was conflict. So Hagar bore Abraham's first son and had Ishmael. Right? And literally, there's been like conflict in the Middle East ever since Ishmael, right? It's just there was this dysfunctional, conflicting family, and it has never, never changed. And you know, um, and there's scripture that actually talks about, you know, Ishmael and, um, and talks about how there's going to be conflict for, forevermore, and there is. There's literally been ever since. And then Eve, let's talk about Eve. <laughs> she didn't wait for knowledge. She sinned. She caused her husband to sin, and she ate that forbidden fruit. She made the choice to not wait, and knowledge was revealed to her before it should have been. And man has had to work ever since. They've had to toil the, the land just to live. And we have ladies' childbirth. Thank you, Eve. 
there was pain in that natural childbirth. <laughs> so, um, and that's a result because of Eve's sin. So be encouraged, ladies, by these words from David in the Bible, from Psalms 27, 13 through 14. Quote, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Yakal is a translated word in the Bible for wait. There are about three different translations, meaning to hope, to wait expectantly, and to trust. Um, Yakal is only one of three different words um, in the Bible for wait. It's the second most used, though. And to me, it's really interesting. This really, as I was asked to do the study, my eyes were just opened. I honestly would have never looked up the word wait. I wouldn't have really studied it. My thing is science. That's what I, that's what I study and my passion is about. But I was intrigued and I looked it up. So I never think about wait to be to hope or to wait expectantly or to trust. It just brings a whole new light to me to think about waiting, doesn't it? The word wait often has a negative connotation, at least in my life to it, because we associate, I associate the word wait with being eager, being anxious, um, being scared, longing, tired, confused, and in my family's case, with all my children, being hungry. They're always hungry. So they're waiting for meals. They're waiting for food. In fact, Karsten called me today, and he's like, Mom, can I just use your credit card, and I'll just go to the store and buy my own food? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. Go buy your own food. And then, of course, I asked him, did you go? Did you go grocery shopping? He's like, no, it's just too much work, right? So, (laughs) yes, so they always have to wait for food. But when we think of wait from its original translated meaning to hope, to expect, to trust, it's almost gift-like. So for me to think about the word now, wait, in the Bible, I'm going to look at it more like it's a gift-like. It's more like a gift. Luke 1, 45 states, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And I love that because it's speaking um, in a female tense, isn't it? And blessed is she who will believe that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to to her by the Lord. That's us. Psalms 37, 3 through 4 states, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He wants to give you the desires of your heart, ladies. Um, But you have to know what those are. What is it that you truly, truly want? He really does want to give it to you. That's how the Lord, he delights in that. He delights in giving you um, the desires of your heart. And I have to be honest with you. Um, When I was in high school, I remember, I wasn't sure I was going to share the story, but I'm going to, um, because I have time. I'm doing well. Um, so I remember sitting, um, in the hospital room and I'd actually fainted at school. I was in high school and I passed out. So of course, you know, people like rumors and I went to many schools, right? So people don't know me. I'm new at this school. Um, and it's never easy, but you know, it's, it was my life. So uh, you learn to be resilient. And I, um, I passed out. And so of course kids think, oh, she's on drugs or, you know, something like that. And so they spread rumors. And, um, of course they had to take me to the hospital and within 24 hours I had surgery. And, uh, the reason why is because I had, um, tumors and I won't go into all of uh, the detail, but it was in a really advanced stage. And so, um, so they had to do exploratory surgery and it was a very long process. I had to have a tube and I had to have it draining out of my chest. And, um, and the teachers were given specific, um, because I was very private. I was quiet. I was private. And um, I didn't want people to know, just I'm on vacation or whatever. It's not their, their business. Well, they did tell. 
And so, and because it was breast in my chest area, you know, you have immature boys that say things to you. Um, and I just didn't know how to handle it. It was just too hard for me. And so um, I, I tried about one or two weeks at school trying to drain in the bathroom. Um, and I finally was like, mom, I can't do it. And so um, I went home and I pretty much kind of homeschooled um, myself at home until the, the next, um, until I was ready, you know, and I was healed and I didn't have to have a tube anymore. And, and now it's much different in school. You know, you can have disabilities or you can have um, something like that happen and it's not as hard because we've had a lot of change and progress. Um, but, but at the time it was difficult. And I remember on there, it, the day I left school, that particular time, I remember there were all the girls and they were talking about prom and they were talking about dances. And I remember thinking, the doctor told me today, I'm never going to be able to have kids. The doctor told me, and then another doctor said, "If you if you were lucky enough to get pregnant, you'll never be able to nurse. You'll never be able to nurse because you're disfigured." And um, and they took out milk debts, so many of them, and they said, "No, you won't be able to nurse." And so, of course, being my personality, I'm like, "I want kids." So here I'm 15 years old, but no 15 year old wants kids. I did, and uh, and so I was like, "I want kids, and I want to nurse them." And I would tell my friends that I want kids, and I want to nurse them. They're like, "You what? Ew." <laughs> You want to nurse him? I'm like, yeah, I want to nurse him. I only wanted to nurse him because I was told I couldn't. And, um, but I remember you know, girls going to prom and dances and all that kind of thing. And, you know, I didn't care. You know, I was, my, my brain was, was somewhere else. Um, and so um, that really affected me. And so um, it was amazing when Eric and I were first married. Um, you know, I didn't think I could have children. I've been told I couldn't have children. And we got pregnant right away. <sighs> so let's just hear a good thing we were good, right? Before we got married. And, um, yeah, and so I did. I got pregnant. Boom, right away. In fact, when we called my parents to tell them that I was pregnant, oh, my parents said, oh, Rochelle. They said, are you sure that they get your test results mixed up? Because you know, you know what they said. Um, I said, no, they, they told me I'm pregnant. And I don't feel good either. I always feel good. I don't feel good. You know, it's good. I don't feel good, right? And so it took about four months. It took until I got a sonogram, and my parents felt terrible. And they actually sent me flowers. Like, we're so sorry. We can't believe we're going to have a baby. You know, and then we thought, that's it. I'm never, it's a miracle. It's because of honeymoon, you know. I'm never going to have another baby. That's it. And, you know, things will settle in. It won't be honeymoon-like anymore. I won't have any more kids, you know. And 15 months later, Colin came, and I'm like, whoa. So, hey, I can have kids. But it was a true desire of my heart, and, and God gave it to me. And I know that God will give you the true desires um, of your heart. Um, You may not know how long your season or seasons of waiting may be or what that final outcome will be because waiting is a process, isn't it? We all have this process we have to go through. God is faithful in his plans to provide a future, a hope, guidance, wisdom, and purpose. So go to the Lord. Acknowledge him. Commune with him the way that you do best. Ask him questions. Read scripture and stories from the Bible. The stories from the Bible, um, they're meant to guide you. They're there for you. There's tons of stories. And I love how, I mean, women are in the Bible so much. I mean, you, you hear about all these other religions, right? They're, we are the most liberated women in the world. Christian women, we are the most liberated. Um, we have um, an amazing God who cares about us and cares um, about women. Um, so it's meant to guide you. Learn who you are. Work on God's creation, Work on God's creation, which is you. Challenge your ungodly tendencies and find out what your God-given strengths are and build them up. 
Build them up. Make a choice to develop new skills and habits. Go to Proverbs and Pinterest. <laughs> Learn how to make those awesome bracelets and, and to sew things you never learned before. It's awesome. Wait on him and be intentional. We need to be intentional, ladies, about our process and our processing of seeking God. He will answer you and you will find your purpose over and over and over again. Thanks for letting me share a little bit of, um, of my life and me um, being able to find purpose uh, in my life and um, also waiting on God's timing. Um, as being um, someone who has um, had big dreams and felt disappointment, um, it's really interesting how um, God has changed the purpose just you know, in my life. And I know it's going to continue to change. And just, it's interesting, the older I get, I, I find that there's really um, even more ministry that you know, we can do. So um, be patient. The Lord's got great things for you. And all of us can reach different people and do different things in a different way. We all have different, we all have different gifts. Um, and so what I wanted to do tonight is I have, um, I have questions for us right here. And what I'd like you to do is, um, oh, my favorite eggs. I wanted to tell you my favorite eggs. <laughs> I do know my favorite eggs. I love quiche. I just love quiche. It's my favorite way. I love every kind of quiche. And so... Um, any kind of quiche. So anyway, so what I did over here is I brought you some homemade quiche. And so I would love for you to have some quiche. And I have muffins for those of you who don't like eggs. I know there's people I had tell me today, they're like, I don't like eggs. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for you. And, um, but I have fruit and chocolate and just in case you don't like, um, don't like quiche. So please help yourself. And I have water. Um, so help yourself. And then what I would like you, please don't leave. Um, I have some great questions for us. Um, so I don't know about how many we are, but maybe we can get into groups, which would be fabulous. And, um, so I'm going to put these over here, your questions. So let's do our questions. Let's get some food because it's great. And, um, and then let's just break up into groups, maybe five groups. Would that be good? Okay, and then um, I'll come back up here, and um, when we're done, you ladies can pray in your group. We can answer our questions, and then we can, I'll, I'll tell you when to be dismissed. Does that sound good? I mean, you're grown ladies. You can leave anytime you want. So, <laughs> but it would just be really fun. All right, so thank you. Thank you.